This podcast is sponsored by Bethany House Publishers. Order Carved in Ebony through Baker Bookhouse and save 30% off plus free shipping. Visit bakerbookhouse.com to purchase. Hi guys, welcome to the Carved in Ebony podcast where we give you bite-sized lessons about the 10 incredible women from Carved in Ebony. My name is Jasmine Holmes and I'm here with my beautiful, intelligent, <laughs> English co-hostess, oh <laughs> Abina. Abina, what's your married name? My married name is Abina Answer Wright. Abina answer right because she always yeah. has the right answer. Hey. <laughs> that was my um, slogan for running for student body president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Abina, well, I guess I'll tell I'll tell them a little bit about myself first since I'm the sure. one who wrote the book. I will put myself on the chopping block first. Yes, um, please. So I wrote a book called Carved in Ebony, Lessons from the Black Women Who Shape Us. And it is about 10 black women in Christian and American history whose names I did not know before I started reading. And as I started researching for the book, all of the women converged around the same small pocket of time in history. And that's where Abina comes in because she is a historian. So Abina, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep. That's how Jasmine and I met. We connected over this book. I am a PhD student at Vanderbilt currently studying history. I, as you can probably tell by my accent, I'm from England um, and moved here five years, no, almost six years ago to do my PhD in American history. So my specialization is the American Civil War with a particular focus on Black women's efforts to construct freedom behind union lines throughout the progression of the war. So as Jasmine was researching this book, one of the women that she's focusing on, which we'll get to in a later episode, is one of of our favorites, one of my (laughs) beloved women who is in my final chapter of my dissertation. So that's how we met. That's what I do. And I'm really excited to go on this journey with you all through the book. I am not a historian by trade. I was an English major who became a teacher. And I, well, okay. So I taught for nine years. I taught English and then I stumbled into teaching history and I never stopped teaching history. It became my favorite subject, which my dad told me to be a history major in college, but (laughs) I was not a rebellious child and I chose to be rebellious at the exact wrong time. So Carbon Ebony has been like a, a really cool gift for me to be able to write because it's it felt like homework, mm-hmm. but like in a way that I really liked. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I have to research all these people. It's my job. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Getting paid to hunt down things online for hours. Can't be bothered. And it was wonderful. <laughs> and I realized that that's what a historian does. And that I that's what I should have been it is I'm like you're doing that's why I don't let you say that you're not an historian because you're doing what I do um every day you're doing what I do with less resources so that kind of makes you even better than me (laughs) I have you as a resource though so there's that there's that can Um, I ask you a question Jasmine yes why did you write this book oh gosh so Actually, it all started with Ida B. Wells, who is not Mm. even in the book. Mm -hmm. And I'll get into that why in a little bit. But 
was driving to Pickens, where my mother-in-law lives. It is a little tiny town in Mississippi, 45 minutes north of where I live. And I was dropping my kids off and my mother-in-law for the weekend. And I was listening to a podcast or something. And it just kind of mentioned Ida B. Wells. You know, Ida B. Wells is one of those names that like, we've heard it. A million times. Mm -hmm. But I could not have told you why. Why? Like, I was just like, yeah, Ida B. Wells, cool. And then I was like, I actually don't know why she's famous and turns out because she was an anti-lynching activist that was her biggest thing a feminist Mm -hmm. anti-lynching activist journalist very important groundwork laid for activism in her writing and in her speaking but I didn't know like I didn't know that and so I started kind of thinking about her and thinking about other women that I knew little things about but didn't know their entire story and Mm -hmm. I was thinking, man, like, I wonder if this could be a book. I wonder if I could have 10 chapters about black women in this book. And I could not think of 10 names. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is this is bad. So I came home and I came up with a list of 10 names and I talked to my agent about it. I said, I'm really excited about this idea. And he was excited and we turned in the book proposal. And at the time, it was called Anti-Woman after Sojourner Truth's amazing speech. But... I had 10 women whose names are really calm. Like I had I, I had um, Phyllis Wheatley, I yeah. had Ida B. Wells, I had Sojourner Truth, I had Fanny Jackson Coppin, Fanny Lou Hamer, like just all Old, these names. Well of, known. Yes, all the well-known people. And the person who changed the trajectory of my research was Sarah G. Stanley, who is the woman that we bonded over yeah. on Instagram. We'll talk more about that <laughs> when we get there. But I read her name in a list of women that was kind of like a throwaway list in a book that I was reading about um, women and religion. And it was like, there were missionaries who went down south, like so-and-so, so-and-so, Sarah G. Stanley, and so-and-so. And I was like, Sarah G. Stanley, that's interesting. And so I looked her up and I found this article on JSTOR called, um, what is it called? The being a woman you've stepped out of your place or sufficient. Who is sufficient for these things? That's it. Yes, yes. Woman you stepped out of your place was the book that I was reading. And ah. so... I fell in love with her and I was like, what if instead of doing all these women whose names I know, I did 10 women whose names I didn't really know. And so mm-hmm. that's how Carved in Ebony in its current state was born. That is so exciting to me, especially as my whole dissertation is about women who for the most part can't be named and trying to put them into the historical narrative and kind of on the map of American history is restorative work that is so important and also super difficult. So I'm just, I, I was so excited just to just see that the things that I am concerned about as an historian in the academy, there are people out there and women of faith, black women of faith like you, who are asking the same questions that I'm asking and kind of reaching a broader audience than my JSTOR locked articles ever could. <laughs> um, so I'd be digging on JSTOR. You don't even know. Like, I'm just like, wait, I need. Um, and it's worth saying, like, you know, some women in this book, like Amanda Berry Smith, she has an entire mm-hmm. autobiography, you know. For um, sure. Mariah Fearing, there's a whole biography written about her. Like, there's there's people in here who are, I'm not at all saying that they're obscure. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that I had never heard of them, and I consider myself to be a pretty educated yeah. 
person. There are women even I hadn't heard of. And I study the century that all of these women are from. Right, right. I think the only one that I had really heard about was Elizabeth Freeman. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew her story, but chose her for a reason that we'll get into in the next episode. I'm like (laughs) getting ahead of myself. But I think in this episode, we just wanted to kind of like lay the groundwork for what we're going to be doing. We're going to be really short, like we said, bite-sized lessons on the lives of these women and the historical context surrounding them. And in this episode, we just wanted to say hi. We wanted to tell you what we're going to be doing, who we are. Um, But we also wanted to talk about the title of the book, Cards in Ebony. It has to be talked about because I immediately, like as soon as I stumbled upon Amanda Berry Smith, missionary whose nickname in the papers was God's Image Carved in Ebony, I was like, that needs to be the title of my book. But I was so nervous to title it Carved in Ebony because the phrase God's image carved in ebony felt, I don't, it felt like provocative. Sacrilegious. Yes. And then I was like, <laughs> why does this feel, why does this feel so provocative to me? Yeah. But it really did. And I was, I was afraid. I was like, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if I should name it this because people, mm-hmm. people will take it the wrong way. They, they won't, they won't understand. And I think in this episode, we kind of wanted to press into like why, why yeah. that is. So without making you psychoanalyze me too much, I mean, <laughs> why do you think that is? I feel like the fact that you had that hesitance and that kind of, you know, Ugh, can I, can I do this? Mm-hmm. To me, that just sums up what it is to be a black woman in the church in America. It just, it feels like it is controversial to say without disclaimers, I am made in the image of God. Right. Whereas I notice, like, it was funny, there was um, someone at church who was leading worship, a white man wearing a t-shirt that said, I am the image of God on his shirt. Yeah. And I was like, huh. (laughs) Oh, okay. Like, (laughs) I would feel some type of way about wearing that and leading worship in it and like, I'd be scared about the pushback. I'd be scared about what people would think I'm saying and not made in. I am the image, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like the boldness with which. I know. People of other ethnicities get to declare that. Obviously, particularly white in white evangelicalism. And especially men. Like, I feel like it's a little bit easier for men because we call, you know, God is God is he. God is father. God is. And so when when a feminine person is like, I am also I'm made in God's image. It feels like I think it was 2016. There was a whole thing of, you know, the controversy around God as mother. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, (laughs) even though he's described as a nursing mother in the Bible, which as a nursing mother who's on call 24 seven for her child, that means a lot to me. Amen and amen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, no, no. Like if I don't, if I'm not there to feed him, you know, thank God for formula. Thank God for formula in 2021. Right. (laughs) But like years ago when the, when the comparison was made, Mm -hmm. that's how babies ate. They were nursed or, or nothing. So when we think about God as provider, that's that's the image. Yes. That is the image that outside of the mother, there is no nourishment, you know? And I just remember being on Twitter and just seeing the controversy that that stirred, that somebody dared be like, let's think about it from this perspective. And then we want to throw race into that as well. 
<laughs> I just, I, I feel like that is an issue while well, saying it feels like an issue because we're made to question it every day. Absolutely. We're made to question whether I'm too flawed to consider myself made in the image of God, whether race being raced as a black woman is right. was is part of the fall or is yeah. it part of God's creation? Or which really, like even if I mean it well, like will it come across the wrong like is it, will it is come associating across as- with the wrong element to say like we get we get what I mean, but like what if I sound like some kind of, you know, I'm using like incredible sarcasm and air quotes here, crazy womanist think like yeah you, you just then, can't exactly can. that kind of tiptoeing around yes around having a strong self-identity being being I don't know perceived as threatening as mm-hmm. anti-Christian as putting your black identity before your Christian identity as though yeah. they could be separated for us why is it cards in ebony does it have like, to be carved in ebony? No, it doesn't. But in my case, it is. <laughs> like, it is. And I think God but intended I, that. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I have not gotten any pushback about the title of the book. Yeah. Um, I was really afraid that it was going to happen and it didn't happen. And and I think that's just like the extra caution that I felt still mm-hmm. tells a story. You know, it still tells a story. And sure. I think even like Sarah G. Stanley talks about God. What does she say? Jesus Christ in the image of a Negro, I think is the phrase that she uses. And it's like, I read that the first time and I was like, oh, girl, you, 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 you say different. It. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is like 1865 and you just say what you want to say. Yep. But it's so like, I had to question myself, like, why was, why is that jarring for me? And what Mm -hmm. does it say about me? And so, you know, this conversation is less like, oh, white people are so mean. They just don't let us say what we want to say. And more so, this is an insecurity that I have within myself. Yes. We can talk about the reasons why that is Mm -hmm. and and the outside stuff of why that is. But right now we just really want to focus on the personal empowerment of being able to say something that is true, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Absolutely. There is something about actually being able to understand, and that's what makes me excited about this book and my own research is actually looking at Black women and understanding them as women that we can learn from, as Christians. There are people that we can learn from. There are things that they face that I will never face, but there are things that they face that are similar to the things that I face and Mm -hmm. seeing the ways in which they walk those through with God is a particular and a peculiar grace to me as a black woman in the 21st century, you know? Yes. And, you know, we just want to make sure at the onset that you guys know this podcast is for everybody. Everybody can listen to men, women, people of faith, people who don't, you know, who who aren't believers, um, who aren't Christians. Sorry, I know people who are not Christians think that believer is like a really weird. (laughs) It (laughs) is. I never heard people use it the way people use it here. Like, a believer, believer. Uh, which I think I have that in my Instagram bio. Believer, I think I do. Child of the nineties, I you know Christian youth camp. I can't shake okay. it. Okay, but it's okay. the one bat like there's a there's a there's a three star review of my book on Goodreads, and I don't read my reviews. I don't read my reviews because I'm just like, why would I do it? It's it's already out there. Like I can't change it. It's just don't I wrote it it's there. It's bound. 
But somebody was like, you should read the three star review because I think that you will like it. And I was like, okay. So I read it and I didn't like it. I don't know why they thought I would like it, but (laughs) (laughs) I need to go read it. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was, it was a nice review. It was a kind of respectful review, but it was from a person who's not a Christian who was like, there's just a lot of like, there's a lot of Christian, 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 Christian in this book, which like. (laughs) Bethany House Publishers <laughs> and Baker Publishers are it's a Christian publishing company so like why would you expect anything else <laughs> yeah not not at all burying the lead there um but still even if you are not a person of faith a Christian person, a person who is um, actively like going to church, if you're a person who's deconstructing, if you're a person who has a completely different religious background, 100%. I still think that it, it is beautiful to see the faith that spurred these women onward. And sorry, not sorry for the fact that my faith is is also interspersed mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the book. Um, but I just we, we're not going to be apologetic about that here. Absolutely. Um, and but I also think- everybody's welcome. Absolutely. Because as far as I'm concerned, especially when I think about my own journey to moving from England to, you know, the United States, I feel like if there's anything that's common, especially even specifically among Black folk, we're all learning how to Mm -hmm. move through all of this. Mm -hmm. And I think what is fun to me for people who are not people of faith is looking at one way that people try to move through the world that we're navigating with racism. And I think that in and of itself is beneficial for people, even if you're not a person of faith and for the people who are there, there'll be a slightly different resonance with it, you know? Absolutely. These women are amazing, like because of their faith and, and also in ways that are not like directly, you know, flowing exactly from their christianness in ways that do flow from their christianness mm-hmm. it's it's incredible they're really incredible regardless of of what your background is and um to correct myself as as christians we think that every good thing flows from christ of right course. but there are universal things that all Common of these grace. women possess yes mm-hmm. that i think anybody can i just love them i just love absolutely i want to get into it Let's do it. All right. So (laughs) that's our introduction. And the next time you hear from us, we will be talking about Elizabeth Freeman in episode one. Woohoo. See you then.